0: Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally, at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at eight thirty and eleven uh, but right now we 're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at eight thirty and eleven Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We continue our service with the gospel reading coming from Linda this morning.
1: The gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 32. When Jesus entered the temple... The chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he'll say to us, why then did you not believe him? if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. The
0: Word of God for the people of God. Uh, I ended up not preaching from the gospel lesson. Um, I worked on my sermon throughout the week uh, and ended up going in and recording it on Saturday morning. But as I was working on it, as it got closer to Saturday and after I already met with Grover and Linda, um, I ended up wanting to preach on the epistle reading that was assigned for the day, which is Philippians two. 1 through 11 so i'll end up reading it there so just so you're aware that i end up preaching on something different hey good morning people from holy trinity whoever else might be watching it's pastor tim although maybe you don't recognize me because i'm wearing my collar my tab this morning we just had a baptism that you saw Little Hadley Lutz, great-granddaughter of Fred and Betty King, was welcomed into God's family this morning, whose God's promises were proclaimed on Hadley. Um, and so I wore my collar for that and continue to wear it now for the sermon. We were set up here in the sanctuary, so I'm going to continue preaching in the sanctuary. I appreciate all the kind words I get about the whiteboard. Hopefully you'll be able to get something from this sermon as well, even though I won't be writing on anything behind me. This morning, while we had the passage read from Grover and Linda about uh, the parable of the two sons, I wanted to preach from the Philippians lesson that was assigned this week. And it hasn't read yet, so I want to read it now. It comes from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. This is what it says. If then there is any encouragement in Christ... Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Again, this may not be from one of the Gospels, but it is good news, so the Gospel of the Lord, the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. So a little bit just about Philippians as I set the book down there. Philippians is one of um, a letter written by Paul in the in the New Testament. There's 13 letters that scholars believe are that are attributed to Paul. Scholars believe seven of them are authentic. Seven of them are actually written by Paul. Other ones there's some dispute, maybe written by a student of Paul, something like that. But Philippians is one of the authentic letters to Paul. It was written while he was in prison, most likely in Ephesus, and is filled with joy. Uh, Paul has a lot of different reasons for writing letters, sometimes for admonishment, sometimes because there's conflict in a community where he was. Paul had been to the Philippian community, he had a great relationship with them, and Philippians is known as what might be called a letter to a friend, or a fellowship letter, or a family letter. It's filled with thanksgiving. It's filled with remembering the times we had and, uh, and and encouraging one another. And what we get here is some encouragement from Paul to the Philippian community on how do we live with Christ within us? How do we live lives in Christ? Now that second part, and if you noticed it on... Um, when I had it up on the screen as I read it, it was um, indented. It wasn't part of the regular way uh, most of the scripture is written. It's indented. And whenever you see something indented like that, it means it came from somewhere else, and it's probably some kind of hymn or some kind of poem. And so this part, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, is commonly referred to as the Christ hymn or the Christ poem. And while Philippians was written sometime in the early to mid-50s, so it was really written before any of the other Gospels, this part of Philippians 2, 6 through 11 is some of, if not the oldest scripture we have in the New Testament that is speaking about who Jesus is. They think this was part <coughs> that um, was written maybe in the mid-40s or so. Some of the oldest uh, scripture that we have. And it's also some of the most famous. You may not know it as well, but uh, I feel like we spend a whole lot of time during seminary and people spend a whole lot of time studying it. Now, it can be used in two different ways. So two schools of thought. We have theology. uh, Theology, Theo, God. Ology, study. Theology is the study of God. And underneath that you get a whole bunch of different types of branches, right? A specific one in which this passage is used is for Christology or Christology Christology, right so it is Christ, the study of the study of Christ, and a huge uh, realm of academic study is the divine versus the human nature of Jesus of Christ, and this passage, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, passage that attests to who Jesus is, is used. Frequently, in those conversations, I almost wanted to say argument, because that's what they can devolve into. But in those conversations, and we'll say that, he was, as it says, um, not in human form, but became human, right? Became obedient, even to the point of death. And so you can have a high Christology, you can have a low Christology. A high Christology means you start with the divine nature and you work toward the human nature of Jesus. A low Christology means you start with the human nature of Jesus and you work toward the divine nature of Jesus. But that's theology, that's how this is used to talk about theology, Christology. The other aspect, and I think is really what this is about, is about ethics. Ethics being, what are those principles that guide our behavior? You see, this passage, when it was written, wasn't written with the understanding of, I'm giving you information about God that you can dissect, so um, you have this deeper understanding. It does give you a deeper understanding, but not to dissect as if you know all the details of God. Rather, this passage... This 6 through 11, who took on human form and was obedient, even to the point of death, was given out of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Not that we can imitate Jesus, we're going to fail, but what are those principles on how we lead our lives and treat one another, and treat ourselves, and how do we make decisions, right? That's what ethics is about. So it's to help us guide those things. I think this whole passage is, don't regard others better than yourselves. Sometimes hymns, poems, artwork does what language cannot convey, straight written language or straight academic language or straight thesis writing or explanations. It's really about something bigger, something better. It's not about the details, but it's about what it's been trying to convey. One of my favorite stories, if you go in any Bible, New Revised Standard Version, I'm just going to open this one up, and you go to the beginning of it, uh, there is a section called To the Reader. It's in all the New Revised Standard versions. And in it, it is a letter to the reader from the committee that put this translation of the New Revised Standard Version together. And so it's in all of them. And it was, this letter was composed by Bruce Metzger, who led the committee on the translation of the NRSV. And I love uh, this conversation I read about with Bruce Metzger. I mean, just writes a brilliant mind, led the translation of the Bible uh, from the oldest manuscripts that, that we had into what we now currently read have as, as the NRSV, and he was asked the question once, from all your studies, what is the most important thing that you have learned from it, right? What do you take from it? And he could have gone into a big diatribe over, you know, well, this is who God is, this is systematic theology, this is the Christology, right? And list all these things, right? Now, I don't want to say I want to make one correction to the song, Jesus Loves Me, because I heard it from somewhere else, is that it's not about Jesus loves me. It really should be Jesus loves us. That Jesus loves me was written in a very individual time, in the world and faith is so much about community and so it should be jesus loves us so listen to these words now as i sing them but i put in us instead of me jesus loves us this we know for the bible tells us so ones to him belong they are weak but God is strong yes Jesus loves us yes Jesus loves us yes Jesus loves us the Bible tells us so. That I find more powerful than almost anything else. A simple song to convey what can be a very complex idea. That's what Paul is doing here complex. It can be very complex. How do we treat each other? How do we make decisions? What are our ethics or our guiding principles? And Paul encourages them in simple ways. Now, we don't know this poem. We don't know this hymn. So we can't really quite maybe grasp it with the depth of understanding that they had then. But I think we can understand the idea. Paul uses a hymn or a poem to convey this complex ideal idea. Be humble. Treat others as better than yourselves. Look at what Christ did. No, you can't be like Christ, but remember Christ is in you, so you have a way to guide you. Do for others what is best for them. Seek their best interest. And in doing so, we trust that that will also be in our best interests. Turn away from selfishness. Remember we talked about that being sin in the last couple of weeks. Sin is being turned inward, being focused on myself. What's in it for me? How do I benefit? Love is being turned outward. Love is seeking the interests of others for no other benefit except the other. That's what God did for us. That's what we're asked to do for the world. And we have the ability, even though we will fail at times, because Christ is in you, Christ is in me, we are in Christ. So may you know you are loved. May you know God has lifted you up. May you know that God has given you abilities beyond what you
1: realize to love the world. Amen.